Performance Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Greetings and welcome to the Payments Podcast. This is the fourth in a series of episodes analyzing the findings from Bottomline's recently released 2023 Business Payments Barometer. Today's episode will deal with the section that covers the future framework of B2B payments. And before we start, a little housekeeping. The Barometer is Bottomline's flagship research project. It started in 2016 as a snapshot of the business payments industry in the UK. Over time, the depth of the research grew, and in 2022, we expanded the survey to include businesses in the United States, interviewing 800 financial decision makers in each country across a range of business sizes and areas. This 2023 research was conducted by Ipsos for Bottom Line between February and March of this year. So we're going to unpack some of the key findings here from a report that captures a sweep of issues in the post-pandemic business payments industry. On a very general level, despite an uncertain economy, ever-increasing fraud and a payment landscape influx, companies on both sides of the pond appear to be resilient in weathering the storm. However, they don't have a very good handle on some of the significant upcoming changes in the UK's business payments infrastructure, as we will see as we unpack some of the data. Now, this podcast will deal with issues specific to the UK. However, my guest today is expert about change management, as well as the future framework of business payments, and his comments will be useful to anyone in the payments industry. That guest is Bottom Line's Payments Modernization Specialist, Richard Ransom. He is a veteran of almost 20 years in the industry and is currently on point for various initiatives, including open banking and the new payments architecture project. Welcome, Richard. Thank you, John. Yes, this is such an interesting piece of research. I spend a lot of my time talking to um, corporates, mid-range and um, tier one about many of these issues. So having a chance to sort of share what I've learned across all those many meetings is going to be really interesting today. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to hear it. So let's let's dive right in. So the research shows, Richard, that a lot of companies need to do more homework. The levels of familiarity for four major new initiatives, open banking, new payments architecture, confirmation of payee, and the ISO 20022 messaging format all hovered around 50%. And preparedness for all of them didn't fare a whole lot better. So there's a problem as well as an opportunity here, Richard. So why do you think there's been an overall drop in preparedness versus last year? Has the sputtering economy caused them to take their eye off the ball just a little? Yeah, I think in part, yes. Keeping the business going has concentrated a lot of the thinking. And if we look at the new digital channels, like open banking, if we look at confirmation of pay, looking further out, to the new payments architecture. These haven't been top of agenda because they're not helping organizations save costs the day immediately. Now, talking to corporates three months or longer ago, they hadn't been as focused on competitive advantage and have been concentrating on run rather than grow. But we've definitely seen a change even in the last three months. I was on a call with a global insurance company with a significant UK presence last week, specifically to talk about open banking. And this was to follow up on a call we'd had about changes in the UK payments landscape, including the new payments architecture, confirmation of payee, and other things that are going on um, that impact the way that people pay and get paid. So in the call last week, we talked to the open banking prop and how it might work as an alternative in one-off card payment user journeys, or how it might help getting a first payment to account more quickly in a regular subscription like a direct debit. 
interesting to me because I've had these conversations many times over the past three to six months. Their first question was, so who else is doing it? Which one of our competitors is doing it? What are other large scale builders? Who's doing it now? So that's a great question. And it gives you a good insight into the way that markets are moving because now everyone's thinking other people are spending money. So the mindset has shifted from let's just continue to just, you know, stay flat to how do I compete? What am I doing? Do I know what's out there? What am I missing? So I think there's a reset and it's not just in this vertical. I spoke to a telco earlier this week who was telling us their digital team are all over new ways to engage the customer in their payment journey. How can they reduce friction? And they're looking at the demographics of how people want to pay. And they're doing this because for those digital teams, it's really exciting to them. There's an exciting new element to their journey in the payment cycle. And also they're seeing the cost in credit card. So they're starting to learn about it fast. And what we're seeing is our customers are experiencing these new type ways to pay in their own lives. So they can translate their own personal experience to what they're doing at work. So with something like open banking, we're starting to see in the UK popping up everywhere in the user journey. So I can buy investment products using open banking. I was able to pay off the balance of a vacation with open banking. I thought I'd be using my credit or debit card. The question came up, do you want to pay by bank transfer? So that's an option. And obviously I went for that. And in the UK, you can pay for your taxes. You can open banking too. So that open banking payment is actually a direct payment from the payer to the payee's account across a normal payment rail. It doesn't go through the four corners of a credit card transaction. And really interestingly, we're just seeing it in so many places, like paying off a credit card. But paying off a credit card using open banking, which seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? The credit card company wants you to pay with something that's not a card. But what we're seeing is it's starting to become ubiquitous and common, and people are starting to use it, so they trust it. And I think this is what the industry has been waiting for. So the more people use it, the more people trust it, the more they're going to ask for it or expect it. So when you're looking at two different services, the one that offers open banking may be the one that you go for. And that's, I think, what our customers are really tuning themselves into. So they're looking at the proposition and they can see cost savings and an ROI and a competitive advantage. Interesting. So Richard, let's take this issue from a very general perspective because there's so much going on. How can companies possibly prepare themselves for all this change? Uh, you, you covered open banking a little bit, but there's a lot there's a lot more on the plate as well. Yeah, and I think it's like doubling down on learning. So speaking to people like Bottom Line, um, listening to podcasts like this, all really important. And then evaluate every point in the customer journey, every point in your payment journey. Where there, are there inefficiencies? Where do you think we can get better? Where is there cost that we could get rid of? So evaluating each initiative via cost and reward now enables them to plan and get into budget cycles and project cycles. And if we talk about new payments architecture, so that might not impact them directly for five years, but they may have an indirect impact next year. So looking at the timelines for, for a new initiative isn't all you need to do. You need to really find out what are those impacts? When can I start planning? What changes can I make in my back office potentially or in my customer journey? That's going to prepare me much better for those new initiatives. Okay, Richard, what about some of the overlay services? I'm talking about 
confirmation of payee, request to pay. And for those who haven't followed the issue, confirmation of payee is a pretty exciting industry-wide response to combat APP fraud in the UK. Um, it acts as a name-checking services service, excuse me, and allows the payer to check whether the name they've been provided matches the account number and sort code. So it helps reduce APP fraud and payments from being accidentally sent to the wrong account due to human error. How do corporates embrace that? So in, interesting, you mentioned request to pay. Now that has f- found trouble getting traction in the UK. So request to pay is a initiative we see globally um, in the US around real-time payments, in Europe around SEPA, the single European payment area. In the UK, we've done it slightly differently. Now, request to pay is just presenting a bill in um, e-banking or mobile banking or an ad payment, a biller aggregating site. So the mechanism is good. There's a laudable reason for doing it. However, because it's taking that payment away from that payment customer journey away from the biller, the billers aren't happy with that. The billers would rather, I think, control the payment journey a bit more. So if someone isn't going to be able to pay the bill, they'd like to have that conversation with the biller directly rather than via a third party or via a bank. So they don't want to give the customer an easy opportunity not to pay or to defer a payment. Because once again, there are consequences to not paying a bill. And this may be part of a regular payment and there's, there may be a contract behind it. So where the spending isn't discretionary, it's very difficult to manage that journey if someone else is presenting the bill for you. Confirmation of pay, on the other hand, is an amazing piece of work and collaboration within the industry. So being able to do a live check on account ownership has many fraud and error reducing um, opportunities. So we are seeing confirmation of pay really getting traction. So confirmation of pay helps on that outbound payment, whether you are paying a business or a person, it's going to give you an absolute absolute guarantee that you're paying the right account. And it's making life very difficult for people trying to commit fraud, whether that's payroll fraud or invoice fraud from doing that because they can't just put their own bank details in with another person's name. So that's that's really interesting. So it's worth checking as, as a business sort of levels of fraud that you've been hit with something like invoice fraud or whether you've had problems with payroll fraud as well. So these things you can address straight away. And even if you haven't had those problems yet, the fraudsters are looking for opportunity wherever it, wherever it is. So it's a an opportunity to look at your processes and just seeing how much saving there's a return on investment, as I mentioned earlier, about just protecting your payments as they go out. Now, the other half of the confirmation of coin is confirmation of payer, which is coming to the UK very soon. And that will help to identify sort code account number and account ownership of someone you're collecting money from. So of the two, request to pay doesn't seem to get any traction. Confirmation of pay is really going to take off. Now, I know one of your other interests or professional passions has been the, um, about the new payments architecture initiative. Um, let's unpack that a little bit. The NPA could revolutionize how corporates use instant payments. 
By implementing more advanced, flexible, and responsive payments infrastructure, it is expected to streamline and accelerate transactions, transforming financial operations within businesses. It could make instant payments more attractive options. And by facilitating near real-time transactions, it could help businesses manage their cash flow. So two questions here, Richard. One, what is the current state of play with the NPA? And two, how should corporates and their banks prepare for it? So another another great question. Um, new payments architecture is, is top of mind for um, a lot of banks at the moment and starting to be a really significant uh, feature of planning for large corporates. So at the moment, um, we're very close, as we understand, to a vendor being um, formally signed to build the NPA, but we already have a design. Banks can already test message flows. So we're very close to banks being able to test NPA capabilities. Now, the NPA has been around as an idea since 2016, and it's taken us a long time to get here. But what we've managed to get to is a design that works for a number of user journeys and a way of implementing that sort of takes some risk out of the project. So faster payments will be replaced first, followed by backs. So faster payments is um, interesting because we have a lot of our corporate customers who are looking to move away from the current three-day payment cycle you have with backs in the UK to a same-day or next-day type payment capability, especially in a world where supply chains are quite tight and you want to be able to pay just in time, where a lot of your employees may be on a temporary contract or may not work a regular nine to five week. So where there's contractors where you want to pay people for a lump, a smaller lump of work where people expect to get paid immediately. And we're also looking at a world where people may be getting paid and choosing their own payday. So this faster payments piece is very important. So it's not just about replacing the real-time payment use cases there are today. It's about how do we place a lot of, replace a lot of the um, current bulk payment capability. So these are things and elements that are in the first phase of new payments architecture. The next piece that's really interesting to us is what's going to happen to BAX. So BAX was deliberately parked just so the faster payment project could get going. And by putting BAX following faster payments, this should all get delivered a lot quicker. So there's going to be a consultation at the end of this year, which will look at what will happen to BAX direct credit, the payment bit, and BAX direct debit the collections bit. Bax Direct Debit is quite complicated. It's been around since 1968. And it's changed a fair bit from them, but there is a lot of trust in the process. There is ubiquity. The majority of adults in the UK have at least one direct debit. I have about 15 at the moment against my accounts for various different services. So getting rid of something like that is going to be quite difficult. So we may see a new payments architecture flavor to direct debit, which keeps the scheme rules as they are and just changes the um, mechanism under the surface. So that's the first part of your question. How, you know, what's the current state of play with the NPR? I think, I think we're really getting there now. We're starting to feel like within the next few years, we're going to see live NPA faster payments. So that's really in the hands of the banks at the moment. So it's what they're doing. So they're in that testing phase. How should corporates prepare for it? So continuing to 
keep up to date with the roadmap. Responding to that BACS consultation is absolutely key. So hopefully we'll be able to talk more about that later this year. If you are a corporate, you need to think about the types of payments you make, what would suit a more real-time journey. One of the big changes in the NPA is the file format that will be used because today BACS uses something called Standard 18. That will move to the global standard for payments, which is called ISO 20022. So you being implemented in the US, in across Europe, it's already across Europe, in many payment systems globally. So we're getting that. One of the advantages of that will be enhanced data and the ability to carry more data in a payment. So as a corporate, when you're paying someone, being able to give them more reference information will certainly help with their reconciliation and reducing the calls you'll get querying what the payment's for. In that extended reference data, you'll be able to carry things like a link to a secure website, for example. So you could put a link against a payment to an invoice. You could put a remittance advice in there or a statement, or just say, if you've got a problem with this payment, call the following details. And you could make that specific to every payment in there. So looking at, is there enhanced data that you could pass between your suppliers and partners and customers that will make their life easier and your life easier? The other thing is, other thing to look at is, do I need to look at my billing process today? Is that something that I can slim down? Is it the right thing to do just to, to concentrate on direct debit? Are there other ways to do it? So I think there's a, there's a definite, corporates could definitely look at how their systems work today and start to include it in longer term planning as well. So it may be that in two years time, we have a proposition around bulk faster payments to offer our corporate customers. So we'd want them to have thought about that now so that there's some project space to do that. And they're thinking when they're going out to tender on billing systems or new ERPs that those billing systems or ERPs can talk to those new payment formats, can talk to ISO 20022. Because when it, you know, when it comes to that moment when the NPA is imminent, we would hope that their back office systems are ready and we're not having to provide translation services or other partners aren't having to provide translation services for them. Okay. So very specific. <laughs> Always good to hear you talk about the NPA. It, it, it gives me clarity uh, <laughs> to, a, to a, uh, a pretty complex topic. But so for our final question, Richard, I want to back up a little bit. Is there an overarching message here about how to prepare for all these changes? Maybe are there some event horizons that corporates should look at? Yeah, and, and I, I look at this as three different horizons. So we have what's happening right now. So open banking is with us right now in the UK. So people are paying by open banking. It's available. So right now, they should be assessing their needs. What, what do they want for their payment journeys? How are they mitigating fraud if we look at the confirmation of pay piece? And are they embracing new ways to pay like open banking? Then we look at the bit further out, six to 12 months, something called variable recurring payments will be potentially with us. And variable recurring payments is a new type of subscription that's very much like a credit card, card on file um, subscription, but based on the open banking framework and using the faster payments rails rather than credit card rails. 
So there's a lot more to be said about variable recurring payments, and I could go on for a long time about that, but I'll, I'll keep it shorter. Um, looking at your current direct debits and seeing whether there's a kind of grey area where you don't get a lot of take-up in direct debit or you get a lot of failure or potentially some more fraud than you'd like. Does variable recurring payments help you to solve some of those problems potentially? So identifying the customers that most benefit from these different ways of paying is, are really important. And then as we move further out one year in the future, so get space for priorities within new payments architecture and look at how you're going to migrate towards this new infrastructure because that will be with us sooner than you think. So even 2028 might seem like a long way away. That will happen very quickly. Yeah, time has a way of catching up, doesn't it? Okay, that's a wrap for this episode of the Payments Podcast. Richard, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to talk about these things I'm so passionate about, John. Yes, and it's, it's just great to hear, great to get that kind of clarity. So as I said, that's a wrap. Um, please listen to the Payments Podcast on your favorite platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud, and we'll see you next time. from Bottom Line Technologies.